Welcome to Inner Challenge, a podcast that takes the mystery out of cultivating mental wellness. Today's question is, are you letting your phone run your life? In today's podcast, I'm going to focus on how we can use our phones to cultivate mental wellness. But before I do that, let me check in with you. How did you do on last week's Inner Challenge? Did you try out any of the sleep hacks? Maybe you did the easy hack of turning off the overhead lights or the harder one of setting an intentional bedtime and turning off your favorite show or letting the emails wait until the morning so you could be in bed for eight or nine hours continuously. Maybe you turned your thermostat down to 68 degrees or took a warm shower or unplugged the electric blanket so you could sync up with your body's natural process and sleep a bit better. Or perhaps you were like me, who one night ate dinner at 8.30 and had a big glass of wine, only to go to bed at 10 o'clock and wake up at 4 because my late night eating had disrupted my sleep. Hey, we're not looking for perfection, but this did confirm for me not to eat two to four hours before bedtime. Yep, we can learn not only from what we do, but also from what we don't do. Remember, these sleep hacks are not one and done. They are meant to be part of our commitment to seeing bedtime as an intentional part of our day, something that we plan instead of letting our day end in a haphazard, often chaotic way that does not allow us to wake up feeling energized and mentally clear. Self-care, or nests as I call it, nutrition, exercise, sleep, Technology and stress are ongoing skill sets that help us cultivate mental wellness. And remember to update, what works at 20 will not work at 40 or 60. This is where Dr. Siegel's acronym of FACES makes so much sense to me. Yes, if you want to up your mental wellness, the easiest way to do this is to be more intentional about self-care. Look at your nutrition exercise, sleep, technology, and stress from the perspective of faces. Be flexible, adaptive, coherent with your nesting plan. What does this mean? You might aspire to exercise an hour a day, but maybe you're in finals, have a three-month-old, or a full-time job with three kids. So this goal may not really be coherent with the current life stage you are in. In your current life, Maybe 25 minutes of yoga at home or a 30-minute walk with a baby in a stroller is much more coherent. So, be more flexible, adaptive, and coherent, and you will see that this will create energy and stability. Part of stability is mental clarity, and nothing helps us to think and feel better than nesting. Which brings me to what I believe is one of the biggest challenges to nesting, how we use T technology. How we use our devices can either help us cultivate mental wellness or actually get in the way and help us feel mentally worse. You may be like many people who say, this is not possible. Stay with me and see if you can find a few things to change in how you interact and use your technology that actually will help you feel 
better. Like most therapists who've practiced for 35 years, the first half of my career was before the iPhone, and the second half has been trying to work with the iPhone so we can manage it instead of it managing us. I am not one of those people who believes in the good old days before the iPhone. Rather, I actually love the little sucker for all the joy it brings into my life. I love when my daughter FaceTimes me from the dog park and I can see her beloved dog, Mr. Rogers, chasing a ball. I appreciate the texts that my clients send me when they arrive in my waiting room. I love the hours I save online banking and shopping. I also love walking and listening to my favorite podcasts or chatting with one of my dear friends. And who doesn't love those funny videos and memes that we send one another in the midst of our days? This does not even account for the appreciation I felt for the role technology played while all of us were in lockdowns. So, like many things, it isn't that the phone is good or bad. The phone is neutral, and how we use it becomes a force of good or bad. So let's look at the numbers. 85% of Americans own smartphones. Boomers, Gen Xers, and Millennials spend five hours a day. Generation Z spends up to 10 hours a day on their phones. When these devices debuted in 2007, we could not have imagined these numbers. For most of us, the phone is managing us. We are not managing it. What do I mean by that? You know that feeling you get when you realize that you just lost another 20, 40, or 60 minutes scrolling when you had really wanted to do something else. Our phones call to us, but we do not always have to answer. If we remember how new smartphones are, we also understand that perhaps we need to take a breath and think about how to best use our phones. People tell me all the time, oh, I know, MJ, I know, I'm on the phone too much, or we let our kids use it too much. They say it as if we are powerless over our phones, kind of like, you know, MJ, I just keep taking breaths. I just keep breathing that oxygen in. What can I do about it? I am here to say the exact opposite. We are not powerless over how we use our phones. A smartphone is only as smart as the person using it. For the sake of this podcast, I'm going to focus on smartphones, but what I say applies to all devices, our tablets, video games, computers, TVs, radios, DVRs, and DVDs. When we factor in these devices, the average American spends 10 hours and 39 minutes plugged into our electronics. So, I think it's really best for all of us to think about how we can use these devices in a way that really makes us feel better. How can we use them so they're life-giving, not life-sucking? What I mean when I say this is that we must become aware of how they affect the way we feel, think, manage our time, and shape our values. Having worked on this self-care issue, Yes, how we manage our technology is as important to our mental wellness as sleep, nutrition, exercise, and how we manage our stress. Research has confirmed 
that excessively high screen time increases obesity, depression, and anxiety. I have seen in my office when my clients' algorithms lead them to news that is only negative and scary, they become, yes, more negative and fearful. These changes often happen slowly, but their impacts are significant over time. When people say, oh, I'm addicted to my phone, they are not kidding. So let's be honest with ourselves. We need to up our game when it comes to managing our phones. And this begins by being aware of how we are using it. We need to be the adult with this device that is still in adolescence. It's ruling our days. And from my work in this area with many of my clients, it isn't as hard to become better at managing our phones as we tell ourselves it is. What's hard is to decide that we are going to really step in and learn to manage it in a way that works for us, not against us. For this episode, I want to encourage you to go to my website, mjmurrayvishan.com. I want you to look at the one-pager. In a minute, I'm going to share with you the, my five-step process that can help you become the master of your phone. You'll see in this link on my website not only the one-pager that goes through this five-step process, but a wallpaper app of the five-step process that you can put on your phone while you retrain yourself to manage your phone instead of just react to when it calls out to you. So let's begin. Here is my five-step process. Step one, notice. Yep, that little exercise is back again. Before you do a deep dive into the black hole of the internet or social media on your phone, I want you to do this exercise. Yes, move your awareness to your feet. Notice and just take one or two breaths before you begin to unconsciously scroll. Step two, after you move your awareness to your feet, after you take a few breaths, move your awareness inward and take an inside selfie. What do you think an inside selfie is? It's a term credited to clinical social worker Tony Goldberg. It's just that, a quick snapshot of our inside. In each of us is this whole inner world. We often spend so much time looking outside that we don't often know what is happening inside. So I like this concept of an inside selfie. So step two, take a quick inside selfie and add your own hashtag that's just for you. Maybe it's hashtag bored, hashtag need to relax, hashtag anxious, hashtag happy, hashtag lonely, hashtag avoiding work, hashtag wondering, hashtag homework break. Whatever it is, just put it into words, no judgment, just curiosity and a bit of awareness, which leads us to step number three, purpose and time. Perhaps this step is the real antidote for using our phones in a way that make us in charge of them. Before you get on the phone, consciously state the purpose for getting on and how long you want to be on. 
We are so used to looking at our phone unconsciously that this step takes a little bit of getting used to it first, a little bit of effort, but this effort pays huge dividends. This is why we begin with notice. We notice what we are doing. We move to understanding why our inside is longing to look at the phone. So what is your purpose for getting on the phone and how long do you want to be on it? I encourage people to say this to themselves. And when you're first retraining yourself, to say it out loud if possible. So I might say to myself, I'm going on Instagram for 10 minutes. I'm checking out the new episodes of my favorite podcasts on Spotify for five minutes so I can plan if I want to listen to them. Or I might say what I did last night. I've got nothing to do, so I'm going to sit on the couch and I'm going to scroll for an hour and relax and just go from, from place to place. I might even watch one of my favorite shows. After you have stated your purpose, then set the timer on your phone. This is where the rubber meets the road. It takes exactly six seconds to set a timer. But I am not kidding you. I cannot tell you how many people have told me, I don't have time to set the timer. Six seconds? This is where we give our power away. Taking six seconds to set the timer puts you in charge of your device. This device is exquisitely designed for you to stay on it and on it and on it. Come on. We all know about algorithms and how they're designed to give us more of what we want. It's a bit like going to a dessert buffet where we just know we're going to eat too much unless we are intentional. Trust me, set the timer. Just give this a try. We set timers when we make cookies. We set timers to remember to pick up the food we've ordered. And we set timers to get out of bed. Yes, we can do this. So now that you've set your purpose and your timer, move on to step four. Have fun and connect. Yes, the phone can be a really fun, enjoyable thing in our life. Whatever your purpose is, have fun and connect. Maybe you're talking to friends in India. Maybe you're playing Candy Crush or Fortnite. Maybe you're ordering your grocery or watching your favorite band, movie, or puppy. Enjoy being on your phone until your timer goes off and then make yourself notice. Yep, we end where we began. In step five, we train ourselves to not ignore the timer. I know we can do this because we have all been students when the bell goes off at the end of class and we listen to it. Instead of moving our awareness to our feet, and taking a few breaths, as we did with notice at the beginning, this notice is a notice where we go on the inside. Notice on the inside, a skill learned in an earlier episode, is checking in to notice what's going on in our inner world. Now, with curiosity, not judgment, we are running our own experiment. Notice, was the purpose you set in step three met? Let's say you got on your phone because you wanted to relax. Do you now feel more relaxed? Maybe you were lonely and missing friends. Do you feel less lonely, more connected? Maybe you needed a break from work or school. 
Did you get the break you needed? Maybe you needed to find a new pair of boots. Are you excited because you found the perfect pair of boots? Just notice. The purpose of this last step is to help you figure out how to use your phone so you feel better, not worse. Let me share with you an example that happened in my office last week. I was helping a young executive who has been using this process for the last six weeks. She was having a particularly stressful week. At lunchtime, she got on her phone to relax and check on one of her favorite social media accounts. She instantly felt herself get anxious, and instead of letting her phone lead her down 25 more minutes of anxiety, she stopped. She took a couple breaths, and she decided to switch to the app Calm, a meditation app, and she did a three-minute breathing exercise. She then realized that because she was so stressed, she really needed to get out of her office. So she went for a walk and just window shopped. She reported coming back into work with a much better mindset. She also said something very helpful. As she was processing this with me, she said, you know, before I would have just kept scrolling, hoping to find something that would have made me feel better. But now I am so much clearer that what often makes me feel better is to stop scrolling. I know you're probably saying to me, MJ, this is wishful thinking. Who can do that? Please listen to yourself. You are part of a species that has flown to the moon, found a vaccine in less than 18 months, and invented rock and roll. Yes, you can do better. But in order to do better, you must notice what is going on inside of you and stay committed to doing what makes you feel better, not worse. Self-awareness, when combined with a small amount of effort, can be a very powerful medicine in dealing with phone addiction. I have worked with many people, myself included, who complained about feeling worse after they used their phones without really realizing that they could actually use their phones differently so they could feel better. For instance, if following influencers makes you feel bad, you have the power to unfollow them. If you have a person on Facebook that drives you nuts, take a 30-day break. I know lots of people who, after their last election, gave up using social media for political discussions, and they all reported feeling so much better. In my opinion, our phones need to be used for good. As I said before, our algorithms often give us more of the same, so make sure you're same is actually making you feel better, not worse. One of the accidental changes I made to Instagram was when I added Logan Center, an organization in my town that supports people with disabilities. My cousin does their Instagram account, and I thought I would support her by following them. But in reality, I am the one that is being supported by their uplifting messages that these members of our community bring to me each day. Yes, we can curate and design our phones so they make us feel happier, more grateful, and add laughter to our day. We do this with the food we eat. Who eats food they don't like? Nobody. 
Why consume things on your phone that make your mind feel bad? Often people say to me, I have low self-esteem because of my phone. I'm not so sure if that is really the whole truth. Try to redesign what's on your phone so you feel better and see what happens. Of course, this may mean that you need to delete an app or two or block a person, but trust me, you are worth it. This type of self-reflection and awareness is especially true when it comes to social media. Can you recognize when the social stops being fun? Can you recognize when social media makes you feel bad about yourself? This is not as simple as it seems. Just like in real life, we have to figure out our values. Online, we also have to figure out our values. Pornography is easily accessed on the web. And you have to ask yourself, is pornography in line with my values? Yes, you can learn how to make a bomb by searching online. But you must ask yourself, is making a bomb in line with my values? Online information is a slippery slope. What begins with curiosity can be normalized quite quickly. I have treated a good number of porn addictions that started out as preteen curiosity and 15 years later were rooted in very serious addictions that my clients never intended to have. Clarifying our values through self-awareness and reflection can help us navigate the slippery slope of online information that can take us to places that impact our mental and relational wellness. For the purposes of today's episode, I want us to think about clarifying our values when it comes to how we use social media. One way that I want to help us do this is to give you some questions to think about. The first question is to clarify for yourself, what kind of person do you want to be on social media? Am I going to be a person who uses it in a positive way? Or will I be someone who says things online that I would never say to a person face to face? How honest will you be? Is your online person coherent with who you are in real life? Do you understand that most people just post the good parts of their life and making comparisons when you only see their good parts will set you up to feeling less than? What is your relationship to likes? Have you developed a way to hold yourself accountable when you ignore the timer that you set for how long you want to be on social media? What are your own personal and personnel policies when you meet strangers online? Some of my clients have painfully learned that if a person online seems too good to be true, they probably are too good to be true. Do you have a plan if you are led to the dark web? We like to think that technology has no strings, but nothing could be farther from the truth. So these above questions are really important questions for you to think about as you clarify and get very clear with yourself as to what your online values are. Let's be honest. Most of us have no training in being able to sort out if what we read or who we meet online is real. These are new skills all of us are trying to learn and figure out together. And things online change so rapidly, what we may have figured out two years ago 
is obsolete today. So yes, step five, notice, is really being able to notice if you are managing your phone in a way that helps you cultivate mental wellness and allows you to stay in line with your online values. Be honest with yourself. If what you are doing makes you feel worse, if you are beginning to feel compulsive about shopping, gaming, or looking at porn, be proactive and stop using those sites. Let your purpose be one that uses the phone to help you live better. As we all try to learn how to use our phones in a healthier way, here are a few other tips. I know that you know all of these, but they're worth repeating. Turn off your notifications. Turn off sounds and vibrations as much as you possibly can. This puts you in charge of when you check your phone. Trust me, you won't forget to check it. Try to not carry your phone on your body as much as possible. Use your purse or your backpack instead of your pocket. Just give it a little bit of rest. Put your phone in a drawer. Once you get to work and when you return home from the day, just give that little sucker a break. We need to understand how powerful these little devices are and how they are synced up to our brains so that physical separation actually allows us to not have to work so hard at setting limits with them. No phones at dinner. And lastly, no phones, as I said in our last podcast episode, in the bedroom. If you are raising children, it is really vital that you understand that one of the most important skill sets you will give them is how to manage their phones. Phones, just like a car, is something that children cannot learn to manage without your guidance. This is difficult because the phone or the iPad is something that parents often give children so they can have a well-deserved break. But often, these 20 or 30 minute breaks turn into hours and hours. And what is sacrifice is time not only spent with the family being together, but the children also spending their time in activities that are much more productive and fruitful than scrolling on the iPad. Remember, alone together is not a healthy family. Having house rules that allow everyone to enjoy these devices is really important. And it's so important that parents accept that you're going to be setting the boundaries, offering the guidance until your child leaves for college or the workplace. So during the next week, try my five steps at least three times so that you are managing your phone instead of your phone managing you. Step one, notice. Step two, take an inside selfie. Step three, what's your purpose for getting on your phone and how long do you want to be on it? Step four, enjoy and connect. Step five, notice, did your time on your phone meet your purpose? Did you stay within your time frame? Yes, this is your inner challenge. 